view the update. Just press the button. Oh my god, you got it! Hi, I'm Allison Park, and welcome to this week's episode of Cross Campus. Just over a week ago, the Yale Admissions Office accepted just under 2,200 students out of nearly 37,000 applicants. Though the recent admission scandal was a story of exceptional admission cases in their own right, we were more interested in tales of adversity and struggle and triumph. And that's what you'll hear today. We spoke to some of our current classmates, including an undocumented immigrant, a first-generation low-income student, one of the only Yaleys who hails from Alaska, a first-year former U.S. Army Ranger, and a student who didn't really go to middle school. This episode is a second half of a two-part series about Yale admissions. You can check out our last episode featuring an exclusive interview with the Dean of Undergraduate Admissions, Jeremiah Quinlan. First, we'll hear from Andrew Wynn, who is an Eli Whitney Scholar and a 24-year-old first year in Berkeley College. The Yale Eli Whitney Scholar Program is for non-traditional students who are looking to continue and complete their undergraduate education here at Yale. So eligibility, you have to have five years in between high school and returning to college. Mm -hmm. So whether that be military service, starting a business, traveling, um, being an author, whatever it is, uh, just five years of separation between high school and in college, and then you can apply. So I was in the Army before. Mm -hmm. I did two years of college after I graduated high school in 2012, and then I joined the Army, served for four and a half years, and then I applied to Yale. My four and a half years in the, the Army, I was in Special Operations, so I was in the Ranger Regiment. Um, so it's just, uh, to put it in um, terms of understanding, it's just, it's just uh, a higher tier within mm -hmm. the Army. So I think going into that unit, like at 18, 19, um, kind of gave me a lot of discipline. So I had to serve alongside men who are a lot older, um, it's just an environment. It's very, like I said earlier, it's just a very high-speed regimented environment. Um, and you, you learn about yourself. You go through a lot of hard things. I think that allowed me to, to kind of adjust quickly just because, you know, when you first when I first got to Ranger Regiment, it was, you know, uh, 0 to 100. You know, but it's more physically and discipline-like. So getting here is the same thing, but just um, in an academic setting. So I just had to adjust quick. I got out of the army in August and had to, you know, pack up, head home, head here, in a matter of like three weeks. So, kind of jumping from a high-speed, very disciplined, uh, regimented environment to coming to, to Yale, obviously being a college student again, and then I'm a first year, so I'm surrounded by um, students that are five to six years younger than me. Mm -hmm. um, I was definitely a little bit nervous, and then obviously the <laughs> academic level. I haven't done a lot of school since 2010. A lot of the, um, a lot of pre-med courses. So I'm pre-med. So a lot of the courses that that I'm taking now, I haven't taken them since 2009, 2010. So I don't remember that stuff. Um, so that was a little bit challenging, and I was a little bit afraid for that. But you know, things yeah. buff out. I'm Laura Palacio. I'm from West Palm Beach, Florida. I'm a first year in Brantford, and I'm an anthropology major. So when I got into Yale. I was like clearly freaking out, especially like as a first gen low income student, like getting into a school like this was a really big deal for me. But then when I went to tell my parents, I kind of crashed that high. 
because they were basically just like, what's Yale? Because they are Colombian immigrants. And so like the meaning of like what an Ivy League is, is just very meaningless to them. And they really didn't get it until um, drop-off day when they came here and they saw the Gothic architecture and the ancientness of all of these buildings. And I literally used to be like, it's older than America. And they were like, yeah, okay. So I guess America isn't that old to my parents. It's cool. But now they're like so excited along with me. Next, we're going to hear a story from an undocumented immigrant currently studying at Yale. Coming to campus as a first year, so many of us worry about whether we're going to get along with our sweetmates and take the right classes. But at the same time, what really keeps this student up at night aren't classes or how professors are going to like them. It's whether or not they're able to stay in the country for the next four years. This story will be voiced over by our producer and sound engineer, Matt Udry, to protect the identity of the student. I'm a low-income, undocumented immigrant from Miami, Florida. I moved to the United States when I was seven from South America. I had envisioned college as part of my future since middle school, but I had always worried about how I was actually going to get into college, given my legal status. I went to a public high school in Miami with around 2,400 students. Like many of my peers at my high school, I wanted to go to a top college. The only difference between me and my peers is that I'm undocumented. Writing the personal statement was one of the various challenges I faced throughout the process. I was encouraged by some of my teachers and peers to speak openly about my experience as an immigrant, but was cautioned against it by others due to the current political climate. Applying to college is stressful enough as it is. Being undocumented made it even more so. I don't have a social security number, which prevented me from applying to FAFSA, summer programs, private scholarships, etc. Despite having lived in the United States for over a decade, most of the schools I applied to considered me an international student. This, combined with being a low-income student, greatly decreased my chances of being accepted into these schools, since most of these schools are need-aware for international students. This means that an admissions officer will factor in my ability to pay when deciding whether to admit me or not. I live in a single-parent household, and since my mom is a housekeeper, she can't afford to pay an Ivy League's $70,000 price tag. But luckily, Yale is one of a handful of schools that is need-blind for all applicants, regardless of whether they are domestic, undocumented, or international. Fortunately, the Yale admissions office saw something in me and accepted me. Not to sound cliche, but the day I got into Yale was probably the happiest day of my life. I just felt pure euphoria when I heard the Bulldog Acceptance song that played as soon as I opened my online letter. A year has passed since then, and I can honestly say that despite the constraints my legal status presents, I feel supported at Yale. We sat down with Byron Reyes Luna, who immigrated from Honduras when he was five years old with his mom and little sister. Byron came to Yale through QuestBridge's National College Match, which pairs high school seniors with educational and scholarship opportunities at certain colleges and universities, including Yale. Byron attended Hempstead High School, which is in a town in Long Island. The town itself was kind of marked by like corruption and a lot of violence. The negative local news coverage of Hempstead impacted the way students viewed themselves, and the majority of Byron's classmates didn't graduate high school. 30-40% of uh, high school seniors were graduating from our high school. It's known around the area for being like 
a rough town. And so like the high school kind of like in a sense reflected the town. Byron comes from a first-generation, low-income immigrant household, and his story really highlights the impact of certain people in his community on his path to Yale. My parents did not go to college or high school because they could not afford it. Mm -hmm. The highest level of education that they received was, I think, sixth and fifth grade. My mom, she's a, a homemaker. She's a stay-at-home she's mm -hmm. mom. And my dad, he's kind of like a construction worker. So, like, when my parents came here, uh, they were obviously unfamiliar with, like, the American school system and how it all worked and, like, sure, yeah. uh, all these, like, private prestigious, like, universities. Um, but they just told me one thing. I was like, what matters more most is your education. So try to do the best that you can in your education. And at a very early age, I found myself um, doing well because I was pushing myself to do well. I, I found myself enjoying learning. Right. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, uh, the stuff that maybe like, I'd watch or like the, the people I'd be around kind of spoke a different language or kind of like spoke of different things other than the rest of like the community. And so mm -hmm. I was kind of like exposed to the names Yale and Harvard at a very early age. Mm -hmm. And I kind of set that as a goal of mine since that age and have been working toward it. Do you have a specific teacher in mind who was kind of like your pseudo-mentor? Oh, yeah. Who really... Tell me about him or her. Well, uh, the first teacher that I remember is in my fifth grade. His name is Mr. Bishop. At that time, like, I'd, I'd stay up, like, mm -hmm. till late, like, writing, like, essays and yeah. stuff. And he kind of um, exposed me to the world where, like, I, I did all this work and learned, and that was my reward. And then I handed in this work, and, like, it was graded, and that was my other reward, and kind of, like, exposed me to that world of, like, academia, right? We read books in his class and, like, things like that, right? Books that other fifth graders weren't reading, and so, like... Yeah. Uh, I can tell this means a lot to you. You're, like, yeah. very happy yeah, yeah. when you're talking about it. Yeah, so, like, yeah. that was uh, the, the beginning, right? It was started sure. from Mr. Bishop's class. If we fast forward, like, in high school, um, Mr. Chapman, he... Uh, was my um, geometry teacher. I'm grateful for him because the reason why there's a problem in my school mm -hmm. is because good students associate themselves with the bright crowd. And so I, w I remember this uh, very distinct memory in Mr. Chapman's class where I was um, starting to talk a lot in class and stop worrying about um, mm -hmm. what he was teaching and try to impress the people around me by like trying to be funny or like oh, the trying class to clown. goofball or whatever. Were you shy and, before? And I, yeah, okay. and I was shy before. Yeah. And so like coming to here and just like saying stuff that would make other people laugh, especially like like a pretty girl that I had a crush on uh -huh. or whatever, it made me feel good. Mm -hmm. But um, Mr. Mr. Chapman moved my seat. Oh. So he, he so. was like, yeah, you're not going to sit there anymore because yeah. I recognize that there's potential in you. I, he put me like with kids who like, or competitive and said, "Oh, I'm gonna do better on the next test than you." And then that became my <laughs> uh -huh. that became my um, that became my circle. I'm Aaron. I'm a first year, and I'm from Anchorage, Alaska. There are there are two uh, Alaskans in my class year. There's me, and there's my best friend. Back in senior year, I mean, Yale and most of these prestigious schools were not even on my radar, but my friend, he applied early action and ended up 
getting accepted and just told me like you've got to apply you know just to see and I figured whatever right I'll, I'll listen to him I'll give it a shot and then March 28th comes around and I got that acceptance letter from that point forward it was like I couldn't pick any other school right it's 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 one of the greatest schools out there the kind I always dreamed I'd get to go there and I get to go there with like my best friend so it's a good deal. Naomi M. is a first year in Branford College, and she identifies as an ex-Orthodox Jewish middle school dropout. So I didn't entirely go to middle, middle school. I was a, I went to about like 0% of fifth, and, fifth grade. I went to the last like quarter of sixth grade because I transferred schools. And then I went to about like half of fifth, seventh grade and like, it's like three quarters of eighth grade. I mean, when I tell people this, they're always like, why didn't you go to middle school? And to be perfectly honest, I really have no idea. I had gone to a, a Jewish school, like a pluralistic Jewish school before uh, I left middle school. My family is Orthodox. So like we keep the Sabbath, we keep kosher. We do like a lot of other random things that you wouldn't even think people do. Um, and then for middle school, I went to a like hippie middle school where the walls were all like yellow and you didn't have to wear shoes. And we spent a lot of time talking about our feelings. And then for high school, my parents really wanted me to go where my brother went, which was this 80 person Orthodox Jewish yeshiva where you had to wear skirts like past your knee, like you couldn't show your collarbone. And my high school was just terrible. It was 80, 80 people all crazy stuck in this like little environment and you couldn't get out and we would go there from eight to five there'd be three hours of judaic studies every day but it definitely was like a big transition to go from a school where everything is optional to a school where there are like things that you have to do and you have to hand in your assignments and you actually have to put in effort and like you can't just write three sentences and be like this is a paragraph done it definitely was not considered to be like a positive community choice to go to Yale just because very few people in my community do it. For me, it was expected because they knew I wasn't so religious and also like not a good girl. That was what they thought. <laughs> um, and so it, I didn't get that much pushback, but they're definitely like you would say, oh, I'm applying to Yale. I'm going to Yale. And people would look at you and be like, really? Like, are you sure that's where you want to be? Naomi also opened up about some other challenges she was facing at the time. I was a really anxious child. And so for whatever reason, school just became like a huge source of anxiety. And so it became very difficult for me to get out of bed and actually get into school. And my school phobia was not addressed in very positive ways. I'd have like like these episodes where I would just like wake up one morning and I'd be like, I just can't go to school today. There's nothing I can do and I will not go to school. And I would have like a few of those and they would they would also go to other aspects of life. Like my parents would be like, okay, like we have to go visit your grandmother. And I'd be like, no, I can't get out of the house today. Um, but at the end of the day, like it feels good to be here. I feel... It, it doesn't feel like it's the world's like greatest institution and everything is perfect and everything is great, but it's pretty good. That's all for this episode of Cross Campus. 
Thank you to Andrew Wynn, Laura Palacio Landano, Byron Reyes Luna, Aaron Jenkins, and Naomi M for telling their stories. Shout out to Aaron, Laura, Alejandro Ortega, and Tom Murray for helping produce this episode, and our incredible sound engineer slash co-producers Matt Udry and Christine Yang. Thanks also to Eric Krebs for composing this original music. If you're interested in launching your own podcast through the YDN, contact me to pitch your idea for next fall. You can find my contact information in the description below. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all at CrossCampusYDN. I'm Allison Park, and I'll talk to you in our next episode.